0: What's up everybody and welcome to PPR Podcast number 132, the week 10 recap and week 11 preview show sponsored by the San Diego Strike Force. As always, I'm Chase Isidoro. And we have a little something special here today, two members from the Red Jacket Army making a, a group of three here on the Dais for the podcast. To my left, the El Cajon Ford East County Game of the Week field producer. You always see him with Allison Edmonds, Mr. Jacob Morgans. Jacob, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Chase. Lucky to be here.
0: And then to my right, the South Bay Game of the Week field producer. You see him all the time with Beau Furteg, Tristan Lopez. Tristan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here, man. All right, now let's talk ball because that's what everybody wants to hear. Yep. And there's no other place we've got to start than the, the game of the week, which yeah. turned out to be as expected. You know, I say until they play a boring game, Granite and Helix should be forced to play each other Every single week from here on out. I mean a sure. double overtime after a quadruple Overtime close at halftime Granite jumps out to a 30-13 lead Helix fights all the way back We go to double OT and you know me Being a defensive player I love nothing More than a, de- a defensive Stop to end the game Jacob you've seen these teams you've been In the East County all year yep. you know what Has kind of been your takeaway not just from this game But how you've seen both these teams play All year
1: I mean, what more could you want from that game? I mean, that, that game had a lot of hype going in throughout the last week and two weeks before, three weeks before, month before. I mean, that was a game that everyone had circled on their calendar, and I remember seeing something on social media, you know, possible game of the decade, and it sure could be. Um, great game. Second straight time those two teams played each other, and it ends beyond regulation. I th- People in La Mesa, might, it might rub them the wrong way because Helix – I feel you know they've dominated the the East County for a long, long time now. I think Helix and Granite are mirror images of themselves, pretty much the same team. How they play stylistically on offense and defense, what the coaches ask of their superstar players, with some playing on both sides of the ball. You know, you saw that kind of effect wear out as some guys got tired. At, you know, at the end of the game, and then, <clears throat> you know, just how they. Um, Revolve their game plan around their superstars. You take a look at granite if they're gonna go anywhere I think it's because of their defensive line and how they wreak havoc, you know with DeMarial white uh, Moshi, Kuba Pollock, you know Travis Ford those guys th- those guys are the four guys that Are gonna stop the run and create high pressure just the four of them alone and it makes it very easier for their secondary to play coverage on the back end, and that's how they play defense. They play that 4-2-5, four, that four, the nickel, and um, Vinny Sanfilippo has a lot of faith in those guys up front to get the job done. And then in terms of Helix, there, it, it's like any Helix offense, right? It revolves around the running back. You know, Reggie Bush, Elion Noah, Christian Washington. Who is it this year? It's, it's Kevin Allen III. I mean, that guy, the, their offensive production lives and dies with him. I saw something. He, he, alone as a player, he he accounts for 108 points, which is the second most by a single player in the entire county. Only Sir Autry from Hoover has more. So that just tells you that all the big plays start with him. All of the offense you know, that's being generated starts with him. He's the home run hitter, kind of like a, you know, he's not a bruiser. He's it's it's more of like a. Like a uh, Kenneth Walker or Saquon Barkley type back, you know, a guy that just hits the hole and then just goes. Um, but that's do- those two factors for both of those teams. If they're going to make any noise in the open division, those those are the t- those are the two factors for both those teams.
0: And we see that with both their running games. I mean, Pablo Jackson, we've talked exactly. about 126 total yards in this game. Maxwell Turner, 167 total exactly. yards, even in the air with Brendan Lewis as well. They have a you know a balanced offense. We've seen you know Benitez get a little bit more work, a little bit more production down the field it's awesome to see I mean this Granite team I came into this and then for the last couple weeks I've been saying that Granite I think is just a little bit better than Helix even though they are you know I called them the 3A 3B because they are so close to each other they are so evenly matched and I think it, it just plays in part, just how close it was coming down the line. What do you guys think about the decision uh, to go for it on for, um, two? Um, you know, it's second overtime. The guys are exhausted. <laughs> Helix had to do everything just to get it to overtime. What do you think about that decision for them to go for two, which ultimately, you know, they lost the game, but they could have won it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm an advocate for aggressive football in those times like that. I mean, you're in a position to win the game, put it in the hands of your players and see what happens. Um, those coaches, those coaches trust their players, and it seemed to turn out in a good circumstance as far as winning the game. But um, overall, I'm a football player, born and raised, doing everything like that. So going for the win and you know trusting your guys is
0: like I feel like is the way to go. Especially when you're putting it in the hands of Kevin Allen. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, if there is a like, a okay, we have one shot to do this, who we're going to give it to, just give it to Kevin and then tell everyone to block. I mean, it's not the worst play <laughs> yeah, call. Yeah. Huge play by Eric Grant, who goes low hitting Kevin Allen, and then Trevor Smith going over the top. I mean, I love to see it because I'm de- defense, man. Yeah. And, I, you know, yeah. and shout outs out to Kevin Allen. That's a tough to be the in-studio guest, to come mm-hmm. into the PPR, do yeah. a full interview after mm-hmm. that. Him and Jackson Daniels both showed up. Yeah. Um, I think Jackson just loves to go wherever his teammates go, which is awesome too, <laughs> yes. he's a great teammate. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when you look at that, uh, Tristan, what, what was kind of your reaction as far as like, okay, now we kind of, these teams probably both make it to the Open, obviously there's a strength of schedule question mark still, but let's go into it saying that we think Granite and Helix are going in there. You know, what's your takeaway from this game as far as how the open division you think will play out now?
2: Um, I mean, we saw what happened. I mean, it was one of the, Jacob said, like one of the games of the decade. We, we know what we're going to expect putting these two teams in the, in the open. Um, I'm an advocate for granted. I think they're a really well-rounded team who can make a lot of noise in the open. And I think Helix is right. Like you said, 1A, 1B, they're right behind them. Putting them together will make a very good open division. Um, so we'll see what happens. But,
0: And then let's get to the other big game, which we got to talk about an open division team, but also another close matchup here in the Avocado. Carlsbad surviving a close one against LCC. Mm-hmm. You know, in an alternate universe out there, La Costa Canyon's 8-1 because they have a close loss against El Camino coming down to the goal line, mm-hmm. a very close <clears> loss, <throat> loss to Mission Hills, and now a close loss to Carlsbad where they were winning in the fourth quarter. It's, it's a brutal stretch, but it's almost like a, a sign that they can compete with everybody and that their offense does play up. You know, when you look at this, what's kind of your takeaway from an LCC's perspective, but also from a Carlsbad's perspective?
2: Well, first, LCC, their quarterback balled out. I mean, five touchdowns, LCC made noise by you know, knocking on the door of Carlsbad, one of the best teams in the county. Um, Carlsbad, to me, has been playing iffy. They've been letting teams hang around with them, so I think they need to tighten up on defense. Their defense allows a lot of big plays, and they allow teams to hang with them in games. So going into the playoffs, I think Carlsbad needs to tighten that up a little bit. Um, Julian Satan is great. I mean, this man just makes plays. Um, Going into the playoffs, I feel like a team will need to pressure him more and get him on his heels to make him make a mistake. And LCC can make some noise. I mean, like you said, they should be 8-1. they put played at a lot of competitive teams. The Avocado League is very competitive um, all across the board. So we'll see what happens with both, both these teams. But Carl is bad to me, and mine, I have, they need to tighten it up a little bit on defense. Like you said, I'm a defensive guy as well. So defense wins your championships. So that's going to take you a long way.
0: You know, when I look at Carlsbad, it's, and especially they're, they're in the, the argument with Lincoln, and it's constantly the who's the one in this county. And, you know, you, you almost look at the little things and start to like take away points of like, oh, well, they, it was a close game. At the end of the day, they're still undefeated. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. they're still pulling off the wins. Yeah. And it's coming down to Julian saying, leading the charge, hasn't made a mistake all year, no interceptions, 20 of 25, 441 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> They haven't needed to use him like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've been running the ball a lot with yeah. Mason Walsh, who also had a great game for them as well—15 carries for 103 and a touchdown. But like to see him when he goes out there and they do need him and he puts out the performance—it's massive. And at the end of the day, you know, I get it. It was it was a close game against Tori, but Torrey had a great game plan. They mm-hmm. I think they cooked like nine minutes off the clock on their first drive. Um, it, it was a close game against Mission Hills, but then they pulled away huge in the second half, and now another close game where they come back. I mean, I feel like it almost. We put them on such a high pedestal, but I feel like it almost helps that they've had this, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of adversity going into the open division that's going to be very tough.
1: I mean, there's a reason why Julian Sands a five-star recruit and he's going to Alabama. And the fact that they've barely had to use him makes Carlsbad kind of dangerous on offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just added another dimension to what they can do. I mean, he threw for 400 yards and he threw the ball 25 times. I mean, we we, we talked... You know, there's some stars in the NFL, you know, at the quarterback position that are begging for more passing attempts <laughs> b- because they want to boost those stats or, or something. And this guy's throwing it 25 times to 441 and four tubs. That's 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 very impressive. So. That, that, along with the running game, especially in the playoffs, I mean, that, that doesn't matter what level of football you're at. you got to be able to run the football. you got to be able to chew clock. you got to pick up the necessary yardage, especially on those third and shorts. Carlsbad's doing that. They're going, you know, at times they, they go under center and they're willing to go 12, 13 personnel and run it right at you. And I think that's a great, great trait to have. Yeah. I think
2: go, right ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh you you make a good point. I think Julian Sain hasn't even been let off the leash yet. Yeah. Coming into this season, what he did last year covering a couple games, coming into the season in my eyes, I was like he's going to shred defenses. Like I'm think I'm thinking 5 600 yards a game. And like you said, he's kind of been a silent like, sleeper statistically. Like, yeah, yeah, he puts up great numbers, yeah. but I don't think we talk about it enough because he's so highly recruited. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the Carlsbad needs to let him lo- loose a little bit. And I know, I know he has command of the offense, but if he starts slinging it, these, these, uh, these teams in the playoffs are going to have a big issue.
0: And I think it's most of that's come down to game script. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've they've been be- beating so many teams that he's barely out there in the second half as it is. Exactly, and we see the yeah. same thing with Lincoln and mm-hmm. Achille where like the numbers are like, wow, he's not putting up the numbers. It's like, oh yeah, he's only playing half a game. Mm-hmm. We also see multiple times where he's just running play action because they run it so much, and then the pass he makes is a 25-yard gain that puts him into the, the red zone, and then it's running from there, mm-hmm. or you know, the back shoulder fade to the end zone that they do. I do agree that. The game script's probably going to change a lot when we get into the playoffs. Yeah. So we're going to see mm-hmm. you know, more. And, and it's going to be great for him to you know, go against these top-level defenses and see what he can do you know, in his final couple games here um, in high school or however long they go on. But I guess that's the best time to get into Week 11. We start off with the game of the week where Carlsbad will be hosting El Camino. A tough one last year. It was at El Camino. Mm-hmm. But we've seen what El Camino can do with their size and they could keep themselves in games. They might not win, always, always win the big games, but this is to wrap up the Avocado League. You know, I, I believe they already have the title. If they lose this one, they could probably have a share for the title. But Carlsbad, I think they go in here and they're gonna have a point to prove, especially with a team that's so physical, which we're gonna see more of those teams in the open division if you're Carlsbad. Yep. And a team that can put up a good amount of points with their offense as well with Howard and Serda. I think this is a great matchup for them and a great test for Carlsbad. I wanna see them have a game though where they, they, they put their stamp on it. Cause we've mm-hmm. seen that from Lincoln, yeah. you know? We've seen them go out there and say, yeah, no, we're better than all of you that come up against us. Carlsbad is. Don't get me wrong, they are undefeated, but they are having these teams hang in there, like you yeah. said, Tristan. So I, I want this game. You know, no, no disrespect for El Camino. Everybody knows El, El Camino that I love them, but <laughs> I want Carlsbad to go out there and put a stamp on it before they go into the toughest test, which will be the open division.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Carlsbad, like you said, needs to put that stamp and kind of scare people. But like we haven't seen this Carlsbad all year. Go out there if they can shred El Camino and not let those guys hang with them and show people in the open like we mean business and you haven't even seen a whole other side of us. I think that would be perfect for bad. But I mean, the last couple of weeks have shown they let people hang around. So we'll see what type of mentality they have coming out. They could get lazy in the sense of like, you know, they feel like they have the title one already. And, um, you know, they're gonna ride off in the sunset and see what happens in the playoffs. But we'll, we'll see what El Camino can do and, and shake it up a little bit.
1: I mean, You said it yourself, El Camino's a big, big physical team. But honestly, I mean, I I just don't think that's enough to beat Carlsbad. You think about Carlsbad, they got a lot of guys returning from last year. And I know they lost last year, but they were this close to beating Lincoln. And we put Lincoln, you know, as the unanimous favorite this year to win it all. And it feels like there's like... Not a huge gap between Lincoln and Carlsbad, but there's a gap. And I'm telling you, based off of last year, they were this close. And then a lot of those guys coming back, they they want it. And how are they going to want it? They're going to have to win this game right here. I mean, no respect to dis, no, no disrespect to El Camino, but I just think that, that Carlsbad is just a handful.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. And I think I think Carlsbad comes out on top in that one. Now we go to the National City Malacar South Bay game of the week, the game you and Bo will be at Tristan. Five and four Olympian at four and five Montgomery for the Metro, Metro South Bay League title on the line. Olympian have now won five out of their last seven. Mm-hmm. Sophomore quarterback Jaden Fuentes has led the charge for the Eagles, but also sophomore quarterback Andy Deonda has been great for Montgomery as well. You know, we talk about the sophomore quarterback class, how it's just stacked across the county. A lot of these guys are also playing great who kind of fly under the radar. From what you've seen, you've seen these teams in the South Bay. What have you seen and you know to preview this game for what will be the title game?
2: Um, This is a really exciting game. Uh, The South Bay has been up and down across the board, but Olympian, I'm liking what Olympian's been doing. They have been, um, you know, coming out strong and finishing their games. Montgomery has had some games, had some tough ones. Uh, It was against El Camino, I mean, not El Camino, El They lost in the last two seconds of the game. Um, DeAnda is, he's a baller. He's a sophomore, he's a baller. Um, They're short on numbers, so I think that's what Montgomery kind of struggles with. A lot of their guys have to go both ways. Um, Olympian, they got some big guys, and they got some fast guys, and they got some young guys. So I think Olympian will take this one, Um, but don't be surprised if Montgomery makes it close.
1: I totally agree with that last point there. I don't know much about Olympian, and I don't mu- know much about Montgomery this year. But I know Freddie Dunkel, and my dad's coached with him, you know, a couple of seasons ago as the assistant offensive line coach. He's going to have those boys prepared, mm-hmm. um, especially for a game of this magnitude and a game, you know, with with this much meaning. I did actually cover a Montgomery game last year where they played Hilltop and they won the league title, and it was all about controlling the clock. Mm-hmm and playing really really stout defense so i think you might see the same thing when it comes you know when it comes to their matchup against olympian i don't know if they'll win but like 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 tristan said it could be close
0: and now we'll get to the game you're covering the east alcohol ford east county game of the week five and four steel canyon really a sleeper team in this county going up against eight and one helix helix obviously coming off the tough double overtime loss you know last season after that quadruple overtime loss to Granite Hills, yeah, okay. Helix had to go right into the playoffs and play a tough El Camino team. Yeah. Now they at least get that buffer, you know, a week <coughs> before the playoffs now, but they're playing a very good Steel Canyon team that can control the clock and can run the ball well. You've seen both these teams all year. You know, what's kind of your takeaway going into this one?
1: Um, you're definitely gonna see Steel Canyon's script or game plan in the first eight to 10 minutes of this game. They will play stout defense or try to, and then when they get the ball on offense, they're going to take their time getting in and out of the huddle, to, you know, take as much time as they need and keep that offense, you know, Kevin Allen the third, I mean he's gonna be out there on the field, but like Ryland Jesse, you know, keep him on the sideline. Keep that offense on the sideline and then they go control the clock with Jonathan Sablon. But I think an X factor that Steele will need to have in order for them to win this game is uh, Nico Jara. I mean that kid that kid has had so many special teams touchdowns I think it's going to maybe take like one or two of those like big plays from him you know in special teams or maybe even wide out you know for them to possibly shock the world and, and hand Helix their second loss but I don't see I don't see a world where Helix loses this game or or even like wins close like I think this this will kind of be the same type of game when I last covered steel and they played Granite you know kind of like Granite doesn't score within like the first seven minutes and then they just kind of run away and then in the third quarter they show why they're you know the the better team so
0: Jara actually took another punt back to the house against West Hills on Saturday Uh, he has six returns now i believe he has two kickoff returns for touchdowns he's got four punt returns the kid's incredible it's
1: gonna take he's gotta he's gotta do that again it's gonna take one of those it's gonna take like playing perfect football on both sides of the ball and then some mishaps on special teams by helix in order for Steele to pull this one out at helix like forget like yeah. forget the matchup dude they're at helix too so it's gonna take a couple of plays from a guy like him in and, and unusual special team spots in order for them to pull it up.
2: yeah i mean helix i, I kind of think of the same thing for carlsbad like they just had a, a nail biter with uh with granite um they could put their stamp get you know make make a noise as far as making their bid for the open and just they come out firing and shut out steel Steel's a tough team, Um, they, like you said, Jacob, they have a game plan, they can execute it. People sleep on special teams. Special teams is a very important aspect of football, and if this kid has six special team touchdowns, like, if Helix sleeps on that at all, that can fire a team up, that can keep a team in the game. Helix needs to put their stamp on this and give themselves a good explanation into going into the open.
1: You know? Yeah, we we were just talking about it, uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, and then you mentioned like how valuable special teams were, and Green Bay's wasn't that special. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm following that. I know Mike Milburn's going to hate that you guys put that in the podcast, but I love it. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. But now we get on to the North County game of the week: four and five Valley Center at six and three Oceanside for the Valley League title on the line. Valley Center started off the season zero and four made a coaching change to Bill Dunkel, and now are winners of four of their last five, their only blemish coming in overtime in the desert against Imperial. Juniors Jet Puentes Stelli and Daniel Stelly have been massive for the Jaguars' offense this season. It's been awesome to see them have this turnaround. It's kind of almost both these programs, the programs when I was going to high school in, in 2013, and, yeah. you know, yeah. like, these were the top dogs. They were mm-hmm. great programs, mm-hmm. fallen off a little bit, and now they're coming back around. It's a great matchup, and to know that, like, one of them is walking away with a league title for how big of a turnaround, especially Oceanside, for how bad it was last year for them. Yeah. And Folly Mele has done an incredible job turning them around within a year yes. with mostly the same kids. You know, yeah. obviously a couple transfers for everybody, but you know, mostly the same kids and turning them around. I liked what I saw from Georgie Nua running the ball. He looks great. Trey Nastasio is great as well for those wide receiver. You know. When I look at this, though, it's both teams that are hungry. It's both teams that, you know, are fighting for their own say and, you know, how they want to go forward, especially the coaching change, two coaching changes for Valley Center within yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. Oceanside, a coaching change, and trying to get back to where they were. I mean, this is going to be a great game. I like what I've seen from Oceanside. I haven't seen that much tape on Valley Center, but I know the Jaguars are going to come ready to play
1: yes um obviously to have that turbulence within the season and then just to make like a quick transition into winning football that's easier said than done so props to valley center there um oceanside has improved a lot this year and not just improved like they're playing elite football like they're top 20 in the county according to max preps and the power rankings you know valley center i mean they've had a down year but like you said those first four games they you know they had a different head coach and and then all of a sudden you you make two changes and then boom you're winning you're winning games it it can get real interesting um honestly i don't really know who has the edge here It, it could honestly be a coin flip it could be that kind of game or it could be the type of game where oceanside is uh you know really good and they, they pull away and win the league title. It could be one of those two scenarios.
2: Yeah, Valley Center, like you said, to switch um, coaches and for the players amongst themselves to rally and talk to each other like, okay, yeah, we can we can do this guys. Like the season's not over. Mm-hmm. We can play good football. And like you said, Chase, I grew up with Oceanside dominating yeah, everybody. Everyone. I saw Oceanside Helix in the in the championship every year. You know, I have personal friends that were on those teams. To see Oceanside back is great. To see Valley Center back where they are, they were beating up on Madison, like, years ago. Um, so to see this title game come down to this, two programs that really turned it around, we'll see what happens. But overall, moral victories for both teams, no matter what happens. Yeah, it's a great season going ahead. So,
0: I, I absolutely agree. Now we get to the Jersey Mike City Game of the Week. Might be the best matchup on the docket this week. Yeah. I don't know. These, yeah. these last couple ones that we're about to go through are yes, really great. Yes, but, yes, man, there's some high-powered offenses in this City League title on the line. Both of them have had their slip-ups. But we got 7-2 and two Mission Bay at 6-3 and three Scripps Ranch. Two great quarterbacks this season mm-hmm. that probably don't get enough love as they should. Charlie Hutchinson, you know, playing quarterback when you've been playing basketball your whole time and especially the most of the team was basketball players. I know there's a lot of football players there as well, but for them to be seven and two, they had to slip up against Crawford, which opened the door to Scripps Ranch. Cash Campbell is extremely underrated for Scripps Ranch. The way they play football, I got to watch them this last week against, against Coronado. They could put up points really quickly yep. and their defense actually isn't that bad either. This will be a phenomenal game. I know Brandon, Brandon definitely chose this as his game because he wanted to go <laughs> see it himself. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what do you guys see for these two teams?
1: Both of these teams are coming off, you know, I would say upsets. I mean, Mission Bay it, it got upset last week and then, you know, Scripps off the the UC loss. So both of these teams are going to come in hungry. That, that's for sure. Uh, you know, um, Mission Bay could move up. I, I think the D2 next year, um, these two teams almost neck and neck in terms of the power rankings. So it can be very, very close. Um I do see some disparity with a team at the top of D3 facing one of the top teams in D2. There could be that gap there. So like my Oceanside, a Valley Center prediction, it can be either very, very close or we could see a team like Scripps kind of, you know, it will be close. And then in the third quarter, you know, kind of pull away. You know, people emphasize in football games especially if you talk to coaches the middle eight you know the last four minutes into halftime and then the first four minutes into the third quarter i think that's what decides the game there and if um if mission bay is able to keep it close within the middle eight you could see a really thrilling ending in that game no doubt yeah you make a good
2: point uh with the the difference in the division mission bay i remember i think they won a double overtime patrick henry um, I saw a little bit of that game and they were able to pull it out, but it came down to um, the last second of that game. Mission Bay is very good, Scripps is very good on paper. Don't sleep on how important this is for two teams coming off of a loss and they're fighting for a City League title on the line. This is very important to I know to both of them and like you said, some of those basketball guys on the team probably feel like, okay, we, we did this and we're going to be here and we're, we're going to make a statement in the football, on the football field, but Cash Campbell is a baller. This kid, it can is, pl- man, this kid can play. Yeah. So don't be surprised if he takes over the game and, and, like like you said, pulls away, you know, puts Mission Bay out. Um, I can't predict this one, to be honest with you guys. This is one of the tougher ones on the docket, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an exciting game regardless. We've got a, a one more title ga- uh, game that's on the line. On Thursday night, 7-2 and two San Marcos at 8-1 and one Del Norte, two schools that have been on the rise again. Um, for me... The difference maker in this one has been the return of Crete Machiavelli. He is a different player on the field and he makes him different. And what's great is that like they struggled at first. They didn't know what kind of to do when he went out and then they caught fire and they started getting back to what they were used to doing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Jason Nix has been incredible all season long. But now that Crete's back, you're like, oh man, this is a serious team and a serious contender out there on the field. Del Norte though, they have been night and day different on defense. We already know what their offense can do with Ty Olson and Jack Schneider, but what they're capable of, I mean they're they are a D two team and they might be the favorites in D two. I know La Jolla probably has something to say about that. But this will be a high-powered offense, and to see both of them fighting for the Palomar League with San Marcos moving over, Del Norte with the new coach, and Nick Barnett, it's incredible to see them in this spot, and it's going to be a great game. I don't know why they moved it the Thursday. I know the referee shortage, but, man, we needed this on Friday night. Yeah, so for I might sure. have to go that one. <laughs> what, do you, what do you see in this one from San Marcos and Del Norte?
2: Um, like you said, for a team to get back to where they were without their player and to put someone back into that, that mix is a dangerous thing. You know to add someone that's already been doing it um jason nix i played with his older brother um tyler's gonna hate me but jason is a better player <laughs> than tyler but jason's a ball he's been doing it since a young age he can take command of a team take command of a game donorte i think it's going to come down to Donorte's defense stopping san marcos's offense yeah. entirely if they want to win this game like i said defense wins championships and coach barton is doing a great job with this program eight and one I mean, man, that speaks for it on paper, but the defense is going to have to come up if they want to win this one against San Marcos.
1: I did mention earlier about Helix and Granite kind of being mirror images of themselves and you know, being the same team. That's literally the exact same mm-hmm. thing here with Del Norte and San Marcos exact kind of matchup we have here. Both line up, you know, spread offenses, 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, and they'll go. They'll run the ball from the gun. They'll run their run pass options. They'll take their shots down the field. And then defensively, they'll leak at times, but they'll make the big stops on passing downs, especially on third down. Both defenses like to um, blitz on those passing downs or disguise their blitz or coverages, which is something that is kind of kind of unheard of in high school football. Usually those defensive coordinators just line up and keep it simple for their kids. But you know, props to them, they're doing something right. And both these, I mean, you mentioned it too, San Marcos could be a sleeper in, in division one. So uh, yeah, don't, don't be surprised if they pull this one out on the road.
0: Uh, and then now we have two of the bigger rivalries here in San Diego. The one I always look forward to the most, maybe because I'm the Don and I grew up <laughs> in the Saints household, but five and four St. Augustine at three and six Cathedral Catholic, the Holy Bowl, the Charity Bowl, best rivalry in san diego bar none saints are playing really well right now though i'll say it you know i'm going for the dons because i it's in my blood i'm going for the dons but i mean saints have been playing so well running the ball whether that be with william flores you know whether that be with uh humble i mean honor Falave johnson parker patterson parker johnson it doesn't matter who they give the ball to isaiah hasten has been great on the outside yes. brady palmer had a great bounce back game against madison but the Dons have been quietly creeping back to what we known them to be. Yes. You know, maybe not to that huge level, but they, they're playing at a great level right now. How do you guys see this one going?
1: Well, in football, especially in high school football with young kids, it. Is a very momentumous game. So, depending on how your season is, could sway the actual result in that game. And I think there's just a lot of good momentum coming from this Saints program. And Cathedral's kind of like in that same boat in like Madison. You know, they kind of have a tough schedule and they've lost some close games and, you know, they've lost some players along the way and they're just having a down year. So, I think the purple and gold takes this one.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Saints one on this one too. Brady Palmer, is a baller. I saw him play against modern day. This kid, command of the offense. He's young, he's going to get better. He's going to get more weapons. They got some good guys coming up in the program. Don't sleep on Cathedral. Your Dons have been a consistent program for years. They've been in this position. They know how to win. They can pull it out. And the Saints, their young team may, may bite them in this one. Um, So we'll see what happens, but I got Saints win this one
0: And another huge rivalry game We got the battle for the surfboard six and three Torrey pines at five and four lacosta Canyon for me Torrey's one of the best defenses out there and they've shown that they can play in close games because of that defense They just had a great offensive game against Poway as well but for lacosta Canyon if you're going into the playoffs and it's tough because this will be a huge rivalry. There'll be a lot of mo- emotion in it. But if you're going into the playoffs, you've got to have one win where you pulled it out in a close one. You can't go in there losing to El Camino that close, losing to Mission Hills that close, losing to Carlsbad that close. If you lose again that close to, to Torrey Pines, it'll be really tough for you because yeah. you, you'll just have this in mindset of like, you know, and it's not like I'm saying that they, they have a bad mindset, but you'll have that mindset of like, we can't pull it out. Yeah. If you get that one, it could change everything because this Lacasa canning team is capable. As far as I'm looking at it, I think Lacosta Canyon, I think they might pull it out in this one. Their offense is proven to be great, but we've also seen Torrey Pines' defense take down great offenses. So it wouldn't shock me if, if the Falcons win this one again, but I got LCC.
1: Do keep this in mind. Torrey Pines last week gave up a lot of big plays on the ground. So if we're looking for some, if there was an edge that maybe LCC had, it's the fact that they consistently run you know, 12, 13 personnel and go under center and maybe just take it right at them. I mean, you talk about, it, especially in close games like this, you got to be able to run the football, get the necessary yards, pick up the And keep that other offense off the field. I feel like that's the way that is gonna have to win, as well as being dynamic in the passing game. But Torrey Pines, they're a tough team, man.
2: Yeah, is coming into this with a moral victory, hanging with one of the best teams in the county. Yeah. If they can come out like they did last week in Guns Carlsbad, and they can beat this Torrey defense, they can run away with this one and, and feel good going into playoffs.
0: I agree. And, you know, Quinn Roth balled out uh, the last week. 419 yards, 21 of 31, five touchdown passes. You know, can we've seen the disruptor. Mm-hmm. And that, the disruptor is Cade Wilkin on this Torrey Pines defense. <laughs> There's a lot of great players on that defense. But Cade, man, he comes up with a big play, whether that be a big sack, the, the block punts, he makes his impact. I think he'll make an impact again. But for me, I think, Tory, I think LCC's just got to have it going into, you know, and it's tough one to have, got to have a game when it's it's a rivalry and everyone's going to be, you know, playing hard, but L.C.'s got to have one before they go into the playoffs. That's the edge I'm giving, Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Torrey Pines' defense goes out there again and shows just how elite they've been. Um, Real quickly, you know, when you guys look on this season, you know, as a whole so far, what's kind of been some of the things that have surprised you or some of the things that you kind of thought would go that way? Would it be an open division team, maybe a lower team, something from the East County, something from the South Bay? I'll start with you from the East County. What's something that's kind of stood out to you?
1: We've had a renaissance this year. I mean, we've had so many head coaching turnovers from pro, from low-level programs in the East County. You know, Anthony Lawrence gets hired. Look at Grossmont. They start winning. You know, Verlaine gets hired over at Mount Miguel. That team is dominating D- Division Four. Helix is still good. Now you got another powerhouse in Granite. And then Valhalla, when we were over there, at least in Week 2, they had a dominating, convincing win against Mar Vista. Uh, you know, just the little things like that and seeing East County kind of, had this like balance and parity, and it's not, oh yeah, Helix is, you know, going to D1 and dominating everyone their way. Even Steel Canyon, we're talking about Steel, we're talking about Steel Canyon as a sleeper here. (laughs) So East County is really exciting. I'm excited for the future and um, all the programs are, are just outstanding right now.
0: Interesting, what about you in the South Bay?
2: Yeah, same for the South Bay. A lot of these former players, guys that play in college, whether NFL or played at their respective high schools, coming back and transitioning those programs. In the South Bay, for me, I've gotten really close to them day, I've covered them a couple of times. Being able to see what a champion state championship program looks like, even after you lose your offensive coordinator, I mean, they started the last few seasons 0-3, and, and they started this year 0-3, and, yeah. and they were on a 16-winning streak going into the playoffs. They are going to make a little bit of noise, um, but this pro, uh, south, south, the South bay's young. South is young, and we'll see what they do in the next couple of years, so I'm excited. But it was a great year, and I'm looking forward to the playoffs.
0: Well, it was great to have you guys on the podcast. I think everybody will love how well you guys talk ball. and Even off air, I couldn't get these guys to shut up about talking about <laughs> high school football. They've been, they've been phenomenal, but that'll do it for us for PPR podcast number 132. Tune in tomorrow for PPR podcast number 133, where Paul and Bert will sit down with a player who's been balling out this year every single time they're on, on the PPR, and that's Benita Vista's girls flag football star, Malia Wilson. You look at her highlight tape, she makes a huge play every time we have Benita Vista on there. And she now gets the opportunity to sit down and be on the podcast. I love that for them. I love that for the flag football girls in general. Yes. It's been so great to see the reaction, yep. not just from you know their fans of their team, but all around. It's the like county, a whole yeah. community. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's, so, it's so cool to see. Exactly. But for Jacob Morgans, for Tristan Lopez, and Chase Zadoral, that'll do it for us. And we'll see you on the PPR.